0: Hey everyone, Ben here. Just coming in to interrupt your regularly scheduled Third Watch recap episode to let everyone know about an extremely exciting episode we have coming up in the lead up to the 20th anniversary of the premiere date of Third Watch. We are holding a reunion episode featuring several cast members, the creator Ed Allen Bonero and prominent director of the series Guy Norman B. And we are going to be airing this on the premiere date of the 20th anniversary of that premiere Premiere date on September the 23rd of this month. So that's just a little under two weeks away. And we want you to get some listener questions in if you haven't already. Uh, we have a great cast of people coming on the episode. We have Michael Beach, Anthony Reeveva, Avon Jung, Kobe Bell, Skip Sardeth, Jason Wiles, and Amy Carlson as former cast members, all alongside with Ed and Guy. So it's going to be a huge episode, massive episode, the only episode of this kind anywhere in the world to commemorate this huge occasion for fans of third watch so to send us in your questions easiest way to do so is via the oz network at hotmail.com you can also head to the Oznetwork.net, click on the contact us page and submit it that way or you can find us on social media facebook twitter or instagram and submit your questions there so stay tuned for that we'll be posting that on the 23rd of september in the meantime we hope you enjoy our recap of the 11th episode of season six of third watch forever blue it's a good one You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we continue our exclusive third watch recap series. As we move into the halfway point of the final season, halfway point. If you don't count the fact we have to do an extra episode this season for the medical investigation, but halfway point of third watch episodes. It is Forever Blue, the 11th episode, the first episode that aired in 2005, January 7th, 2005, to be precise. It was written by Angela Amato-Velez, directed by John E. Gallagher, and this is a great episode of Third Watch. It proves to you that even in Season 6, they can come up with a great episode. Uh, My name is Ben, and I don't like you, but we have something in common.
1: Well, I knew that because we both love Third Watch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What's up, everybody? My name is Darvell, and... I disgraced myself when I decided to keep my mouth shut. It's
0: my one chance to get my dignity back. Good to know. Um, That's why I don't like you, but we have something in common. I don't know. Um, (laughs) After a couple of... (laughs) Yes, indeed, we do. Tie. After a couple of crap episodes, crap, uh, we're here for some uh, good episode, at least. Um, Because, yeah, this is... Very good episode. Very, very good. This is the the, the high point of this season, by all means. Um... And, yeah, it's a flashback episode. I kind of feel like I'm almost talking about Lost here the way I'm going to have to talk about this episode. Because in our Lost episodes, we kind of talk about the flashbacks and then the current day and stuff like that. But the difference is here we're not going to separate the flashback from the current day stuff because we kind of need to intertwine right. it all throughout this episode. Um, so we have this, uh, I guess, uh, flashback at the beginning sort of – well, I guess previously on is all about Davis um, – and we start the episode. We see an NYPD keyring hanging in what's going to be a deposit box. We're in a bank, obviously, somewhere. And uh, we see Sully. He uh, opens up his little lockbox, deposit boxing. And we find a letter in here. It's an enrollment letter of him enrolling in the NYPD, uh, 1979. And then we start to get our flashback. Um, we get, you know, the great Doobie Brothers song, Taking it to the, taking it to the streets. A Great song. Um, and we sort of see this mini little montage of Sully taking his oath and, uh, you know, getting through his training and all this sort of stuff. It's a great little moment. And I've got to say, yeah. young Sully here, and I honestly have not even looked up who plays this guy, um, but he looks the part. Let's see who this person is. Young Sullivan. Ethan Aronoff is his name, and he looks and even sounds like a young Sully. Uh, I don't know how you feel about him. but really? This is great casting.
1: Yeah, he, do- he does work, but I was, I, I, mean, I, I was, mean, I was thinking, you know, sounds like you know, sounds like young Sully, but then, of course, of course, I'm used to Sully sounding like this. So it's like... Go ahead, sorry I interrupted you. Yeah, so it's like, I like, hmm, I'll have to watch it again to try to listen for similarities in the the voice.
0: I think what I mean is that you can see, like, I feel this is what Sully would sound like when he was younger. I feel like the older Sully gets, the... the you know, the raspier his voice gets, if you know what I mean. Like, I don't feel as though he would always yeah. have that sort of I'm Sully voice. Um, no, I can't picture Skip Sutter always sounding like that either. Yeah, so I, I would assume that, like, this is what I mean. Like, I think this is what he would sound like as he was young. And this guy looks like him so much. Like, holy crap. Um, are you right there? Are you falling off your chair? Or?
1: <laughs> no, um, I accidentally accidentally bumped uh, accidentally bumped my bedroom Bumped my bedroom door.
0: Oh, well.
1: Sque- yeah, squeaked a little longer than I intended it to.
0: Shouldn't do that. That's bad. Um, I don't know what I'm saying with that. <laughs> do what you like. It's your bedroom door. Um, this, this actor. Uh, I don't know
1: where you were going with that either. This
0: actor really has, actually hasn't been in much. So looking here, uh, third watch is the last, third last, no, second last TV show he did. So he in the same in 2005 he was also in an episode of Law and Order where he played police officer in the episode Criminal Law. And then four years later, he was in a film called Seven Couches. And since 2009, he hasn't been in anything, at least according to IMDb. So, um... Yeah. Man. Interesting. Um, but no, he to me, he looks the part. I think this is great casting. But I do kind of like this little flashback where we sort of see... Um, you know, young cops doing shit back in the 70s. And I know we talked about this a few weeks ago, didn't we, when I was trying to mention to you about uh, Life on Mars, that great TV show where they kind of, you know, did that. But I, I like the fact that they sort of go back here to the 70s and what would be, I guess, the early 80s, sort of as the years went by. Um, you know, I, I, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Um, going back to what I said last week and all those uh, episodes ago when we talked about the bosco Yokus flashback, that if it's done correctly, it's going to be great. And I just think it was done wrongly in that episode. But... Yeah, you gotta love this flashback. You gotta love this stuff in this episode. Oh yes, don't
1: you? oh yeah, I do. I I love it. Very, very well done, and it really helps you see how Sully became who we know him as. It yeah. it, it offers you a lot of insight
0: into that. I definitely, definitely agree. Uh, and as he's going through um, his little lockbox here, we also see all the letters that Raymond Morris has sent him, all completely unopened and everything along those lines. Um, I do like sort of this flashback where Sully on his first day shows up to the desk and we've kind of just got like jerk face guy at the counter basically saying like, go here, do this, do that. Um, Sally's talking to ADA Sharon about the letters. Um, and then, you know, she's saying, why didn't you open them? Why did he send them to you? um, uh, things like that. Um, and then basically saying that he's going to have to testify, you'll get prison, you'll get fired, you know, and this is where your opening line, um, you know, when he says like, you know, I disgraced myself all those years ago when I kept my mouth shut. Also in this sort of moment here, we've got the flash of when, uh, Sully first met, uh, Davis senior. Um, and he says that he's training officer now. (sighs) I'm I'm a bit odd here, and this is maybe a, a you thing. You can help me here, or an Orkida thing, if he's listening, can help me here. I've got a vague recollection that Dave uh, Sally did say to Davis at one point that he wasn't partnered up with Davis straight away. That he was with someone different when he began. Am I thinking right, of that different? Right.
1: Now? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You are thinking of, you're thinking of episode eleven of season one, uh, alone in a crowd, where he mentions. Where he mentions a guy named Tommy Knight, mm. who blew his who blew his head off when he was forced to retire from the job because he never really made a life for himself outside of the job. So, so, and he said yeah. that he said that Tommy was his first partner.
0: So there you go. I knew. I just knew there was something there about this, which there was a plot hole. Um, so this is a plot hole <laughs> um, that no, his first partner wasn't Davis Senior. But, again, you know, we're going to get a few more of those to come, including a huge one at the end of this whole show. Um And we've had a few here and there that, obviously, are just a bit glaring ones. But, as we've always tried to give the excuse, I guess, that, again, this was in a day and age of television where you kind of were expected to watch an episode once and never kind of rewatch them again because that's not how they were made, so... I bet you they didn't think when they wrote this episode that fourteen years later there's gonna be, you know, an Australian and an American podcasting about this calling out the bullshit on the writing. So um look, I uh, we can excuse it. I think we're just we're just getting used to this with this show, I think, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, so we're not gonna go lose too many points on that one. But um the one small bit of props I will give it and is the moment when Davis Senior grabs the the patrol book and and's like, "You won't be needing this. Throw it in the bin." So, it is a small <laughs> little moment. We had that in the very first episode. Obviously, with Sully and Davis, and we had it a few episodes ago with Davis and Finny. So, there is one little moment there, which they're obviously you know self aware on that they've kind of got this ongoing joke of like, "Hey, you don't need this. Throw it in the bin." So, you
1: know, yeah.
0: small plot hole, and but Davis I can forgive Senior. it.
1: Yeah, and Davis Senior, you know, it's nice that we it's nice that we get to we get to we get to finally see him in this episode cuz he him and him and young sully I don't know who plays Davis senior but him and young sully they do work well together.
0: Oh, absolutely agree. I think um is this the second or third senior Davis we've had? Um it's the second in terms of actors on screen, but if you go by photos it's probably about the third or fourth. So um, this guy is Roger Gwenvere Smith. Is playing this uh, Tyrone Davis Sr. Uh, he is looking at his filmography. He's been around for a long time and he's been in a lot of things. Uh, so I couldn't even tell you the amount of things he's been in. So he's been quite some time. But then if we go back to, uh, was it the Ties That Bind, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, when he kept having his flashes of his dad. Um, and then he ends up kicking his grave down. Was that the ties of bind? Um,
1: yeah,
0: I think so. Uh, it was, yes. Yeah. So the guy who played Davis Sr. in that episode is a gentleman by the name of Jeffrey Ewing. Um, so, again, like, it's it's not one of these ones that I really want to kind of... I mean, you know, Emily's the actor change. Charlie's three times. Like, you know, and we're going to have a different Joey in the finale when it comes to, uh, you know, seeing him. So... It's not something that's it's that big of a deal. I guess kind of back in season two, they probably never assumed that they were going to revisit this. I don't know. So, I mean, I, I do think, though, it would have been kind of cool if they had have gotten the same actor from the Ties of Bind and Jeffrey Ewing. But, yeah, I agree with you, though. I think this guy um, does play a very good Davis Senior. And, like, I will say, I think that this Davis Senior looks more like Kobe Bell than the other one from the Ties of Bind. So,
1: yeah, I was wondering which one actually resemble, resembles Kobe Bell.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I think that this one definitely he does. Um, and I kind of like the the look they've got of um, him there and like, this leather jacket with NYPD stuff over it. And i got to say... Um, I mentioned a few times that kind of season six, I feel, might have been filmed differently. There's a bit of a, a weird tint or a tinge to this season. The way they do this flashback, and they've kind of almost got like a an orangey sepia yeah. tone, I guess, almost to it. Like it, the way it just, it feels like we're watching an older footage here. If you know what I mean. So, um, yeah, yeah, I got you. There. I, I do like the way they do that. Um, so we have um, Ada Sharon uh, in an office with a, a different. ADA or a different DA? Uh, I guess she'd be a DA, wouldn't she? Cause she'd be. The- I
1: think it's a judge. I think it's a judge,
0: actually. So, ha- ha- I don't know it's how... It's never like- made clear. Well, so, uh, ADA is an assistant district attorney, and then a yes. DA would be a... Di- no, she's a DA. I'm just looking here. Her character is yep, DA an- Marcus, Constance, Constance yep, and a, and Barron. And DA- Yep, yeah, a DA is a district attorney. Okay, so that's who she is, and she is uh, the DA here, and she's basically going through all the evidence here, saying, like, look, I've seen this evidence, it's full of holes. Um, You know, she's saying to Sally, like, did you participate in this dirty copness? And he said, I never stopped it. And then she kind of is like, look, you know, if these stories are true, I'd like nothing more to stop him, but I'm going to tell you the same thing I told Monroe. You know, I, there's nothing here that I can do unless you've got more evidence for me. So, um. Again, at least kind of going back to a couple of weeks ago in Sins of the Father when his old yokus is going through all the evidence and doesn't have any. At least we've got a good DA here who is kind of like, hey, you know, it's great the stuff you've got here, but I need more evidence. Um, So, Sally goes to see Monroe. And she
1: does. I'm no law expert, but she does need more than just letters. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Sally goes to see Monroe. It's kind of like, oh, we don't like each other, but we're going to help each other out. Um, we've got something in common. It's Ty. Um, we see another flashback where Sully is helping Davis Sr. arrest some people. And Davis Sr. is like talking about that, uh, Sully's smart. I think he'll be great. Um, and this is where I guess Sully works out. This is why Finney stayed at uh, IAB because, you know, he realized that he can kind of eventually control things and everything. Uh, I do kind of like this conversation there between Sully and Monroe when he's kind of like, how long have you been a rat? And this is, I think, what you mentioned last week where kind of she has this great little speech about why she entered the um, internal affairs because, you know, she's like, I'm a black woman, I've got to do this, I wanted to get my gold children two years. And she's basically like, I'm not apologising for that. I've got to say, out of all this entire storyline, which I haven't been a fan of, this is maybe the one bit I really appreciate. I love kind of Munro standing up for herself here and I think she should. And I really appreciate Nia Long's acting here. And I think, like, yeah, I've complained about that. I think there's definitely plot holes around... Sasha being in the IAB, I definitely think they never started this storyline out from the very beginning back in season four when she came into it. Because I definitely think there's... If we were to go back and redo season five and fine-tooth comb it, we're essentially like, so she's with the IAB, but she's doing this. Oh, so she's with the IAB, so she's doing this. Um, it's definitely similar to season five where last minute they've gone, hey, Cruz is with the FBI. So this season they've gone, hey, Samantha so is yeah. with IAB. So where they turn around and say like I've always been with IAB, I'm like, uh, no, I don't think you really have. Been.
1: Not buying it.
0: Yeah, but I I do want to give props to this scene though, because like even just like the little bit here where Sally says like, you know, she's trying to be like, oh, and I failed, and Sally's like, oh, you got Cruz, and she's like, well, I was wrong. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just I, I appreciate this scene here with with Munro. It's finally the scene where I think, yeah, okay, I understand why you're IAB. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um you know, I kind of figured that you would I kind of figured that you would that you would rip into rip into the part where she said, you know, I'm a I'm a black woman, so to I have to be ten I have to be I I have to work 10 times as hard and be 100% better. You know, I kind of figured you'd probably rip into that for for them playing the race card again.
0: Absolutely not. I I think um this is one of those ones where I think... But
1: this, but it works here.
0: Yeah, well, this is one of those ones where I think you're right to play the race card, if that makes sense. Like, I'm never anti-playing the race or the gender card when it's done right. Like, how do I explain it? Like, I don't know. Like, I think this is one where it makes sense. As someone like myself, for example, Darvell, who is not black, and I maybe don't understand, I guess why someone in her position has to work harder to get to where she is. This makes me understand that. Whereas I can be like, oh, okay, I see why. If you know what I mean? Like, and I yeah. I think that's where I, I'm absolutely not against her playing that because there are definitely parts in shows and life where you are 100% accurately able to play a card of some sort because you are having to work harder to get to a certain point if you know what i mean
1: yeah and i mean and that is the case you know even today even today we we have to we have to work 10 times as hard we have to be a hundred we have to be a hundred we have to be a hundred percent better it's you know people society you know they try to be subtle about it but it's still there Society tries to be subtle about it, but it's still there.
0: And look, I can't disagree with that at all. Like, I would say there are definitely elements... And this has got nothing to do with just racism. It's got to do with any form of discrimination against any gender, race, sexuality, anything. I definitely think there Mm -hmm. are elements where it is overdone, where it's not to the extent where it is being portrayed at in certain aspects but there are also many aspects where it's been underplayed where it should be more focused on something where it's like hey you know this section of the community is very well underrepresented and this needs to be changed and uh, you know like i think yep. like it's there's a line there and i think there's underplayed overplayed like you know a slight example of an old job i used to have where kind of i had a you know a, a new male employee start with a new female employee and I don't think I've ever really been witness to, I guess, what I would perceive as her being treated differently because she was a woman. And, like, it's not, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't, like, blatant discrimination or anything, but it was just in the manner which this guy would talk to her compared to me. And, like, it was only very subtle, but like, that's the first time I've ever kind of seen it. And I was kind of like, okay, like, he's definitely treating her differently because she's a female because he treats me differently because I'm a male. And I could see it. And, like, it was odd. Like, I just kind of in that moment, I'm like, wow, okay, like, that's something that's not right. And, yep, and- you see that in many aspects of the community and, and anything when it comes to certain levels of, of minorities and things like that as well. I'm not saying the females yeah. are minorities, but you know what I mean. Because
1: <laughs> yeah, technically females yeah, I aren't minorities.
0: You- There's more females in the world than yeah. men. But anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. We love you women. Um, yes, we do. We do. Um where Where was I going oh yeah uh i think it de- you know depending on how how blatant or subtle it is honestly I think it depends on it depends on it depends on where you are and who you're dealing with in terms of in terms of i don't even know where I was going with that I was going to say in terms of what the world, but that's too broad a brush mm but where you are and who you're dealing with depend. Well, that'll depend on how blatant or subtle the prejudice or discrimination is that you will either be subjected to, bear witness to, or maybe without realizing it, participate in.
0: Yeah, and I think as human beings, I don't think any human being is 100% innocent of not treating somebody differently based on another aspect that you're maybe not used to. Oh,
1: absolutely.
0: I think we all...
1: Absolutely. We
0: all live in our own aspects of society where we grow up with a certain thing that we're used to. And that if we come across another person who is different to what we're used to, and this isn't just based on skin colour or gender or sexuality, it could be socioeconomic differences it could be a sporting team they go for they're wearing a different hat from a team that you hate or you know just little things about everything like every human being at some point in their life has treated somebody differently because of something they're not used to and right I, it's i mean it's it's the weird thing where you play the human nature card like it is human nature it's like, it's like deep down we're animals right we're, we're mammals yes. we're animals and animal kingdom is filled with, like, animals treating other animals differently because you're a different... Like, and it's just... At the end of the day, I think there's a difference between a, a bit of, hey, oh, I'm not used to this. But, like, as long as you kind of... You don't continue to do it on a grander level. I'm not saying treat people differently... I'm just saying that there's that human nature, that instinct of, oh, I'm unfamiliar with this situation. I'm going to be a bit different. But then straight away kind of realising, hey, I'm wrong for doing this. This is just a person. I'm just going to treat you like a person because that's who you are, if you know what I mean. And I think it's a level of respect too. I will treat a human being with respect no matter what they look like, who they are or anything like that, if they're treating me with respect. If I'm not getting treated with respect, I'm not going to treat them with respect on the same level. And (laughs) I'm not doing that based on who they are or what they look like or what gender they are. It's that level of respect. And I think we all... I'm getting deep again, Darville. You don't let me get deep on this show, all right?
1: (laughs) Hey, it makes for a more meaningful discussion.
0: The point is, back to what your initial point of this was, is that I think this is a correct way that you can play the race card. It's done well. It delivers the message point, and it doesn't border on a preach line because there's like a scale I need to come up with the way I analyse TV shows because... You know, go all the way back to um, uh, season one, Demolition Derby, and how I kind of got mm-hmm. very much like, this is too preachy. It's too religiously and too preachy. And I still stand by that. I'm, again, not being anti-religion. There's a line where you can be too preachy with that religion. And that, to me, is what they did in that episode. Whereas there's been other episodes where there's religion mentioned, and I'm not going to have a problem with it, because you can do it fine without having to force it down your throat. Anyway.
1: Yep and that that scene though that you're talking about from demolition Derby, though, I know you think it's too preachy and all that if you're talking about the ending scene where Kim is in the is in the is in the sanctuary of the church,
0: and there's a few in that episode, but that's one of the main ones yeah
1: yeah but but i mean it's
0: it it fits the it
1: it does kind of fit the episode in terms of how everything turned out with yeah. regards to who ended up dying in that in that collapsing building yeah. between those last two guys
0: you can't, know it, it kind of fits that, yeah.
1: that she would end up there
0: yeah and again can't disagree with that and we've all got personal opinions as well yeah and you know brandy definitely did not she bought that episode i binned it you know it's kind of it's <laughs> yeah it's a level of perspective um and yeah anyway there's Lots of things. We're just gonna to have to do the Ben and Darville mm-hmm. get political episode, which happens a lot. Um, yeah, we're yeah we're gonna have to go through Third Watch again and then
1: pick out certain hot topics from episodes to talk about. Uh, Spend a whole episode devoting it to hot topics raised in Third Watch. I'm
0: sure there's people out there who's listened to like me from the very beginning, back from the Survivor Oz days, who could probably sit down for a whole week and get some one line clips of some of the things I've said over the years and try and prove that I'm not a good person to talk that but um anyway uh, we won't get involved in that so um uh, Monroe... now i'm interested no you're not darville you'll never talk to me again uh, munro <laughs> i'm joking that's commonly what i say after <laughs> i say things like that in the past munro mentions to sully uh where are all the other guys that you worked anti-crime with over the years and they kind of go through all the names and this is where munro's like hey let's get these guys to come and talk with the more witnesses we've got we'll be able to back ourselves up. And that's going to set us up for this episode. It's basically going to be Sully going to get his old people he worked with in anti-crime to uh, come forward to go up against C.T. Finning. So we've got the flashback here um, where Davis Sr. is kind of like, hey, you know, your training's up tomorrow. We should team up again. And again, plot hole, this isn't how it's been described in the past, but cool. I still like this sort of meeting because I I think kind of at the end of the day, if you go through all our... Iconic duos on Third Watch. Um, with the exception of Bobby and Kim, we kind of get background meetings, which I like. So, like, obviously we had the Bosco-Yoka sort of meeting episode. We, we were there when Davis and Sully met. We were there when Carlos and Doc met. Um, and now we're... Even though, like, it's... I mean, it's been discussed enough that it's kind of like, yeah, I'm glad we get a flashback episode where we see Davis Sr. and Sully meet. So, kind of, I like the fact that they do this. Like... Kim and Bobby, yeah, we didn't get one. But, I mean, I'm sure if Bobby stuck around for longer, we might have gotten something there. I don't know. But I'm not disappointed that we didn't get a Kim and Bobby meeting episode because in some aspects it kind of just works. Like, it's not something... I would much rather a Bobby funeral episode, hashtag justice for Bobby, than a, um, you know, a Bobby and Kim meeting episode, if you know what I mean. So yeah, maybe maybe the only one I would put in there is a Jimmy and Kim meet episode. That would have been interesting. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But anyway... The point is, I like seeing this kind of with these two, even though it's sort of got some uh, crime. uh, crimes. I'm reading the word crime here, but plot holes, crime holes. We'll go with that. So uh, Munro's got an address of three of the four people that uh, they used to work for. The first one is we've got Sergeant Mack, and we've got a bit of a flashback where we kind of see him. And one thing, too, I'll say, the casting of the younger actors in this episode mixed with the older actors is really good as well. This episode really reminds me. Did you ever watch Cold Case?
1: Um, a few times here and there, but I never, I never really got into it. I used to, and a, a lot of the,
0: no, sorry, go ahead and interrupt you. Oh, uh,
1: I, I, I was just going to say a lot of the reason why I never got into it was because every episode, the, the, every episode ended with a flashback of exactly how, exactly how the person died. And a lot of those, I just, I could, they were done very well. I could just never stand to watch them because they were that. They were that. They were that sad. And there, there are two. There are like three that really stand out to me.
0: I, but I I'll re- tell
1: you those off air.
0: Sure. I I really liked it when it came out, and I was one of these ones that kind of I I stuck through for a long time. But then it was just they shifted it so many times on Australian TV that I just lost track of it. And you know we talk about Third Watch not being released on DVD because of music rights that permanently has been fucked over on cold case because they would build and i think what was really clever with cold case is that they built the episodes around obviously music from the era of when the cold cases were so like if oh it's a murder from the 70s they would use music from the 70s if it was a murder from the 90s they would use music like it was really cleverly done um and the thing that i really liked about cold case is when they kind of had you know the fact that oh we're digging up a murder from the 80s they would go to like say knock on the door and you would see like the young person answered the door but then they would quickly like morph them into what like, the old person like it was just really clever like i really enjoyed cold case um yeah
1: and cold case was a cold case was a lot bigger than what third watch was oh yeah cold it case it had is a huge. it had a it had a huge audience and you know you mentioned music rights uh, th- there there's probably an even higher demand for cold case to be to be put out on dvd or put on netflix or something than third watch and that that hasn't happened.
0: I think that's the thing that's really um, that. it was that era, wasn't it, in the mid two thousand? We talked about, you know, jokes about Third Watch being criminal minds a bit this season. But, like, I think since CSI – when CSI came about in 2000, like, you just had this string of, like, it really set the bar for, like, these type of shows – so you had CSI yeah. came out of there and they had all the spin offs there. Criminal Minds, Cold Case. Without a Trace was a big deal for a while because that was really big in I Australia loved Without a Trace. Because of Anthony LaPaglia, you know, being in that sort of one. Um, and Poppy
1: Montgomery. Poppy Montgomery,
0: yeah, exactly. You're right. What else did we have? Uh, so many of those shows and then kind of we got that sort of it morphed into almost like the buddy copness when you kind of had bones come about and then you had castle, kind of like, you know, you had it turned into like the dynamic duo where it was just a pair of people, which to me that was more, more so replicating what the X Files did for a long time with Mulder and Scully. So. Yeah, I think kind of it was just that era of television that CSI was the one that set the bar high for it. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, 24 came about and The Sopranos where you kind of had that binge element to it and intrigue and that sort of set the bar when Lost came about and then kind of, you know, it really swayed into our cableness. So I think kind of Third Watch gets lost a lot in the mix of it. And then there's maybe an analysis we can have in our uh, series recap of why Third Watch maybe didn't quite get the level of as well because we've talked about it a lot, but... You think about the TV landscape when Third Watch was a thing. Like, if Third Watch had have premiered a year or two after ER, I honestly believe it would have been a much bigger show when it was at the height of ER. Yeah. Whereas ER started to drift away around, you know, 99, 2000, and when all the big actors started leaving. So there's definitely a whole lot of these elements to it, but I think kind of where... With the landscape of what TV was, and also you got a you know the argument of reality TV coming into that point too. So Ugh. yeah, um,
1: yeah. Needless to say, I'm not a big fan of reality TV of that type.
0: Well, the only reality show that I've really ever you know Survivor, obviously my background, but I mean that's the granddaddy of it. I, I generally can't stand reality TV except for Survivor, and yeah, a few exceptions here and there, but. um yeah. Anyway, uh, we're getting sidetracked again. Uh, we're getting political yeah. um, and all that sort of stuff too. So, anyway, um, yeah.
1: Cold Case was good. Cold Case was I, a good show.
0: Well,
1: I just I could just never watch it because, like I said, I never I never liked watching the actual flashbacks of the of the deaths. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not to take away from the brilliance that it was, though.
0: Yeah. So our first one we meet here is Tommy Mac, and Sally kind of explains that Tommy Mac, you know, he was the one that approached him for anti-crime, you know, because that's where the money was. Um, And I do kind of like this. I do like this moment, though, when they're driving in the car and uh, Munro's going through the CD folders, and he's like, how much 70s music do you actually have? Um, So it's kind of (laughs) funny. They pull up to this house. There's a little kid out the front. uh, He's kind of one of these annoying little shit kid actors, but whatever. My grandpa owns Tommy Boy's. Um and old man Tommy Mac walks out and uh, the little boy doesn't realise that his dad, grandpa used to be a cop Um, so this is where Sully's obviously saying, you know, hey, we're trying to get this against Finney and he doesn't want anything to do with, do with against it. And he, he does kind of drop the line there to Sully, like, no washed-up drunk. He's going to lecture me. So, obviously, he's stayed on top a little bit of where Sully used to be. I do like Munro standing up. You know, Officer Sullivan isn't a rat. And, you know, she's all like, Detective Munro, IAB. And he's all like, if you ever show up here again, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, I hope you got that on tape to Munro. So, um, yep, there's that. They then yeah. go to um, the next one is a guy called Vesetti. Sully mentions that if there's one guy who was a member of the Klan, um, but he couldn't find the rally, so he's racist and dumb. Uh, yeah. So we had the flashback of him dressed up all kind of like fancy-like and starts calling uh, Davis Sr. Black Panther. Um, and, of course, Sully... I do like the line from... <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 go ahead, please. I want to hear the line. Yeah,
1: I, I, I do like the line in that flashback with, with Bassetti... You know, from when 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 he says, "Of course, I don't like this line," uh, where where Bassetti says, "You know, I see you have a soft spot for the Black Panther to mm. to Sully," and then I love this line from, it's it, it is kind of cheesy, but it still works. I mean, because let's be honest here, the racist fuck deserves it. Mm. I love I love it when Young Sully says, "How about I put a how about I put a soft spot in your head?"
0: Yeah. <laughs> I like it too. I think like yeah. again. I think the thing that this episode does well with the flashbacks is, you know, obviously in the what late seventies, early eighties here. You know, and I'm not saying it doesn't exist now as well. We've kind of gone over this earlier, but I think it was more widespread back then. Was obviously that racism that was still existed in not just the NYPD but in police forces, um, not just in America but around yeah. the world. And again, it still exists today, unfortunately. But I think it's it was more open back then whereas now it wouldn't be as open if that makes sense cuz there's yeah, a lot more
1: again that may depend that that may depend on who, on who it is where yeah. it is and Exactly. all that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um so um but yeah I do like this fight. And then we kind of we get young CT Finney show up here, played by Jeff Mantell, who kind of say again, great casting here. This guy looks and sounds like um uh uh what I've got? Charles Hay, thank you, Ben. I've got blank on his name. Um so and we kind of we had a flashback already with this guy a few weeks ago when Davis obviously was uh speaking to Raymond Morris. So, um, you know, they've obviously pre-thought ahead of what they're going to do with this guy. But he sort of comes in and is like, my team doesn't fight. And, you know, we've got him meeting young Sully here and uh, basically saying, you know, like, oh, I well, hear you get some drug collars. I like drug collars. Um, I kind of wonder, actually, just on this voice, I wonder if they've actually dubbed this guy over with Charles Hayde, Because it's a very distinct voice that they've got here. So, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. I don't know if you kind of picked up on that, but yeah.
1: Dubbed it... What do you mean, dubbed it over with Charles
0: Hayde? Well, as in, like, they've, Cause they've this guy who looks like him, maybe he didn't quite sound the part, and then kind of... He's just said the lines, and then the audio department afterwards in post-production have just kind of gotten Charles Hayde to read the lines and overdub it, if you know what I mean?
1: No, I I didn't hear Charles Hay's voice in this particular scene. Okay. If that's what you mean.
0: I don't know. Maybe I'm I'll just... I'll have to watch it again. Maybe I'm not giving... um jeff mantel credit here maybe i don't i don't know but um yeah because uh,
1: charles hayde he has a he has a his voice is very commanding yes but he has a he has a a more me, a more medium sounding voice than what i hear here so yeah so they didn't i don't think they overdubbed
0: yeah here possibly okay um, we find out that the Vassetti though, had killed himself a couple of years ago. Um, there's, there's a flashback within a flashback here. It's kind of odd when we see the daughter discovering her dad's body. Um, there's another flashback about how Sully's wanting to give Vassetti a beating. Um, but, um... Which he deserves. Yes, no, I, I definitely agree. The the daughter's saying that how, you know, you could never mention the NYPD, basically, uh, as soon as he left it. And she's kind of like, oh, do you know why? And they're kind of like, no. Um. So then we get the flashback here of Sully interviewing a guy they've arrested for drugs. Doesn't want to give his name. He's like, oh, you call me Mickey Mouse. I'm like, okay, I'll call you uh John Doe. Uh And this is where we kind of get a bit of Davis Sr. being a bit dirty. So he's obviously saying, you know, Sully's like, oh, how much was it take? Davis Sr.'s like, oh, there's about $2,000 and half a kilo of coke. And this sort of the perp is like, oh, and I'm the criminal. Sully kind of questions him. And is like, hey, there's had to be at least $10,000 there. And I know how much... You know, I, you know, drugs are There was a lot more than half a kilo And then kind of, you know Davis Senior's all like Hey, you know, let's talk about it later So kind of, you know Showing the dirties Which which again, I think is good Like, I mean, we've heard so much About Davis' dad being dirty And kind of things like that You know what I would have really liked If they hadn't worked in A random Candyman appearance What do you reckon? Like, you know Like, kind of it was implied that he was involved here somewhere. So, even if, like, you don't have to get the original actor who played Candy Max. Obviously, he's a lot older, but get kind of like another younger actor and just drop the line, like, oh, this is Candy. Like, I don't know. That would have been a cool thing. Like, a cool little connection. Yeah. yeah, it would have. And it's kind of like the one negative thing I have about this whole Davis dad storyline and the closure that it brings is that they don't bring back Davis's mother. I feel like you can bring back Davis's mother at some point throughout all of this. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where's Maggie? Hashtag where's Maggie?
1: Yeah. Or, or do they not bring her back? Because maybe she could she have known? At least some of, at least about some of this.
0: I don't know. And maybe that's why they don't bring her back. But then, if that if she does know, then there's a storyline in itself. Like where's Davis questioning, and you know, it's, it's like back in season two when she knew that he had that extra, you know, child and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like they could have added something. It's like it's not urgent. You don't absolutely need it, but it's like. I don't know, like, remember back when, um, you know, obviously we complained a lot about, back in Season 3, The Unforgiven, because we kind of had the, the flashback stuff, and we said, like, this was an opportunity to bring back Bobby Cannavale and things like that, because, like, he would have been around then. Like, you had so many opportunities in a flashback episode where you could bring back extra characters and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and we were
1: we were going on about how that episode would have worked if the whole thing was a flashback and then yeah. ended with Sully talking to the priest.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So just little things here that in hindsight they could have added to it. Again, it doesn't... I think the difference between this and The Unforgiven is The Unforgiven needed that, whereas this doesn't need Maggie to make an appearance, but you've got a perfect opening for her to be here. So, yeah. yeah. Maybe they tried. Maybe they just couldn't get the actress. Maybe that's just how... Sometimes that's simply how it works. Maybe. Maybe. That's simply how it works. Um, so then they're going to find out that Danny McGowan is the next one to be found. Sully pulls over you know, on the way there, and we see this flashback of Sully actually accepting some money uh, and kind of Davis Sr. going on and saying, like, you know, I need this money. I need this to support my family. You know, you can't not take this. Um, and then uh, we get a young Sully dropping the crap line here. I do like that. Um, yeah. Sully basically saying... Um, that uh, you know, he took the money and he feels guilty here, and Munro, kind of, um, yeah, I do like kind of Munro trying to to calm him down. I also like the line when Sully's like, "Damn, Finney's kid coming in and bringing all this up," um, and then so also the one thing I just wanted to ask you quickly here is so Sully mentions the fact that Davis had five kids, um, and that he had the affair with the waitress and had the daughter. So we obviously know that yeah. that happened. We we I've heard Davis in the past talk about his sisters plural and from memory we only met one of his sisters. Did wasn't he said that he had three sisters?
1: I don't know if it was ever specified how many sisters he had. Yeah. But it did kind of sound like he was the only boy out of the bunch.
0: Yeah, I think that was implied cuz I definitely know there was there's plenty of times he's uttered the word sisters. So I feel like maybe they've just left it open ended here. It's kind of like didn't we have that? Um, yeah. One, we had that one back uh, with Jocas and her mum, where the, they changed the name of a brother. So kind of, you know, it was kind of like, did she have more brothers? But then they quickly backtracked, and we found out she only had one brother. So um, yeah, I don't know. Next time I rewatch this show, I'm gonna like note down when they mention family members to clarify things. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Because, I mean, this is the thing, that the one sad thing about doing Third Watch and when we've got, like, access to, like, wikis online, you know, compare this to Lost, where Lostpedia knows everything about everyone, whereas Third Watch, there is a Third Watch wiki, but it's not very in-depth. So Yes. Um, I don't know. It's probably something that we're thinking too much about, but I don't care because we oh. love this show. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, I do like the way Munro here is kind of like, oh, my God, does Davis know? and We know Davis news. Um but we also find out here that Sully donated that money anonymously a couple of times to some charity. And then from then on, he told Ty just to keep it. Um, and then the flashback, uh, we sort of see them going after drug runners and Sully's narration. is The saying big that, ones. Yeah, we only went after the big ones. Uh, and then Sully's saying, like, you know, I only ever wanted to be a good cop. Um, the flashback here is of this new guy, Danny, we're about to find. Uh, you know, he's getting, he's losing a little bit. He's thinking that he's going to get turned in, you know, watch yourself. They've got ways, man. Um, and then I do like when they go to this, uh, Danny's house, a house over the water. Sully's like, I can hear you in there. It's, we're here to talk about CT Finney. And then bang, uh, when <laughs> basically this guy's a bit of a loose cannon, uh, starts shooting at him, saying, well, you said Finney was here. And he said, no, I want to talk about CT Finney. And I do kind of like when he eventually calms him down, uh, this Danny guy, you gained weight. And he's like, yeah, well, it happens. Um, and then <laughs> Sully turns to Munro, Like I said, a little shaky um, And then kind of, you know, he has this conversation with him You know, can't believe he's still on the job And then sort of explains oh, I'm investigating this Because Ty, um, is still a cop uh, And then kind of, I do love the way uh, This uh, Danny guy's basically like Oh, Finney's not going to be able to find me uh, And then it's like, we found your um, address on a pension You know, I think it's randomly going to find here and then we find out that that flashback where we saw that uh danny was all worried that they were gonna you know turn him in he was actually talking about ty and then we find out that um he was the one that made the call to the park and that basically he was the reason why they went to the park so um yeah bit of a bit of a shock there but they turn him around yeah they get him to come in with them And then we don't know, because we mentioned that the the fourth guy, they don't know where he is, but this guy, Murray, well, Murray is where he always is, and uh, he's at a bar. So we meet Murray, uh, he's at the bar, and then essentially How do they
1: know which bar to go to?
0: Well, I think that's implied, isn't it, where they're like, oh, Murray's where he always is. Obviously, he's always been going to this bar his whole life. Um, so kind of, they talk him into coming in as well. So they're going to get two out of the four coming in. Obviously one's dead, so two out of the three. We also get, um, the flashback here of, uh, sort of a real quick little flash of Sully holding Sully, ah, Sully holding Sully, Sully holding Ty Senior after being shot and crying. Uh, um, they get into a bit of a a fight in the bar, saying like, hey, you gotta come down with me, uh, please, you know, you've got to do this for Ty Jr., um, and then we also find out that Murray has got uh, psoriasis of the liver. He's only got a year left. Um, and basically, hey, you should come down. And all that drinking isn't helping. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then, hey, come down, talk to the DA. You didn't know they were going to kill him. So, yeah. So is basically like sort of questioning, so like, is this going to be enough? It's all we've got. Um. So yeah, I do like this little scene when they're back in Munro's house, where Munro's sister yes. is like <laughs> grooming the guy. One of them tries to do a runner, but then he just needs a little bit of a drink. Um, and then they kind of lie and say like, "Hey, you know, Tommy Mac's going to come." Like you know, they're all at the uh, DA's office. They're all sitting in the room. They get um. You know, they're not. They read through Sully and are basically like, hey, you know, Tommy Max not showing up. You're lying to me. And as they're about to leave, um, Davis walks in, and they're like, if you've forgotten about why we're here, this is Davis Jr. This is the reason why we're trying to clear this up. And then we get the flashback of Sully crying with Davis's body, and then we get the line. I do really actually appreciate this line. I don't know which one of it says it, but this is, a season- this is an episode one line, the way he drops the line of, damn, you look just like him. It's exactly what Sully says. To Davis, uh, well, yep, and, yeah,
1: and I, 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 think, uh, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's Scotty that says it, or or Scott, whatever they called him. I think it's Scott who says it to him when Davis walks in in this in this little scene. That and I, I like I like that scene because you know you know Scott and Danny were about to, as you said, do a runner when they figured <laughs> Sully out. Yeah, that Tommy boy wasn't that Tommy boy wasn't showing up, and of course, I mean Davis has to walk in right on cue, and then it's like it's like it's like okay, we we can't we can't walk we can't walk out on him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. We owe we owe him. Yeah,
0: I yeah I agree. I think it's it's all it's done very well, and I think kind of this leads us into them talking to the DA. The DA says before I start, there are no offers on the table. None of you will get immunity. Um, and then they all sort of had their say. They kind of, um, I guess, explained to the DA what they've all explained to Sully and what they're trying to get there. Um, you know, mentions that they called in the disturbance because that's the type of uh, person that Davis Sr. was. He would go there to help out like a woman getting beat up. And then basically the DA... And so of- would tie. Yeah, the DA basically says Mm -hmm. "Look, you know, I appreciate what you're doing here and what it took for you to get in here, but you know, I can smell the scotch through your cologne, and I think a good defence attorney could break you apart in three minutes." And then just as they think all is lost, Tommy Boy walks in, um, and he basically is saying, "I own a successful business, Um, you know, and these are all the logs, these are all the evidence you need against um, against CT Finney." I do like that line when he says like, "You know, until this morning, I was too ashamed to tell my own grandson that I was a cop." Um, so he's got everything there, and then uh, the DA basically gets on the intercom and is uh, essentially like, "Cancel my meetings for the rest of the day. Get me a tape recorder. Get CT Finney down here as well." And hey, Glenn,
1: um, how you yeah. doing,
0: Charlie? <laughs> and then yeah, we get well, cocky CT Finney you, walking you're, down. You're,
1: here. You guys still owe me that steak dinner. They haven't fired you yet. And again, why all these long faces, counselor? <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen so many long faces since game number seven.
0: We've mentioned so many times <laughs> that. No way is C.T. Finney redeeming, but again, all the props to Charles Hayde for just really painting this guy. Is like, he does his character so well. Um, yes. Walks into the room... Uh, and what I really appreciate... This is very cold case here, but I do love the way that kind of CT Finney walks in this room, sees everyone sitting around the table, and then a couple of the way they do the editing, like you kind of get a quick little flash that you've got the young guy sitting at the table, they cut the CT Finney, then they go back, and then you got the older guy sitting at the table. Like, it's very cleverly done. Like, I love it. And, um, you know, we get that line of, it's time to pay the pi- uh, boss. Um, and then uh the DA is basically like, you know... Yep, we need questioning you in the relation to the murder of Tide um, Davis Sr. Uh, you need to be in here at 9 a.m. tomorrow, otherwise I'll put a warrant out. Uh, and then CT finishes basically like, is that it? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. And, yeah, it's, it's a great scene. It I really have.
1: Is. Yeah, although I will say I will I will always have a, have a problem, have a really big problem with, the, with, with her saying, you know, be in here at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. No, no, that is, that is plenty of time for him to maybe do a runner. For example, gosh, I'm using <laughs> your slang now. I like you. Using that is my slang. Th- that is that is that is enough time for him to do a runner if he really wanted to book his ass right then and there.
0: Which, yeah, I mean, you wonder if that's just a legality thing they have to do. I don't know, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. But like, I mean, it's kind of. You know, let's go back to when Cruz went to jail. Um, you know, they obviously had the quote evidence to put her to jail straight away, didn't they? So they've got the evidence here for him. So why isn't that being rep- you know reciprocated here and having him go to jail so quickly? So yeah, I can't disagree with you there. I think kind of it's it's a bit odd, but I guess at the end of the day, they're doing this for dramatic tension for next week, aren't they? So um, yeah, probably. So yeah, but his game is up. Shit's hit the fan. <laughs> See you, CT Finny. Um, we get, uh, sort of this last bit of the episode though, where Davis, um, and Munro have a bit of a chat. Uh, he kind of thanks her, but I don't really want to talk about it right now. I've got something to do. And I actually liked the way this episode ends. I kind of liked the way that he goes to Brendan and he's basically like, you know, Hey, got to talk to you about your dad before you go to work. Like, I think it's a good little ending. So, yeah. Um, you know it's, a, it's it kicks a bit of an emotional punch at the end there and kind of going back to the bit that I've I'm coming to appreciate even more this season it's the bromance between Davis and Finney so um yeah, yeah just, like
1: da- just like what just like what just like Sully just like what Sully has had with Davis the these last 5 seasons although I'm not sure if you could really call it a bromance
0: well I think what they do well with the cops is that as much as we love our you know initial pairings of Bosco and Yokus and then Davis and Sully like I feel it's good that they expand on this like particularly with say like Bosco and then particularly with Davis because yeah Davis has had five and a bit seasons with Sully but then you know I feel he needs to sort of be partnered with a younger guy and kind of have a bit of a bro down you know what I mean like we've got a bit of a bro down with him and Carlos but they can't work together and it's the same with like Bosco like Bosco's gung-ho and kind of all out there, guns blazing, where Yoka's isn't quite like that. So, yeah, have Bosco explore kind of anti-crime and try to get on an ESU and things like this, because that's what you believe it. And then ultimately what they do with because I think it kind of works well. Like, hey, let's make her a detective, you know. And I think Sully, you know, ultimately is not going to change. Like, he's been around the traps long enough, and we're seeing what he used to do back in the day, so it's good. So I think they do well with the way they explore these sort of characters and sort of add the extra bits to it. I mean... At yeah. the end of the day, you know, there's not enough time for Finney to kind of have that, but we get in the the sort of the ending enough of him, and even with Monroe, kind of like I guess the the thing they do there is the fact that she's been a detective this whole time. So, and then Cruz obviously, kind of you know, they do well. I think kind of you, you yeah. can't never fault them for the the layers of the cops they have. It's only over the faults of the paramedics and the firefighters ultimately by the end that you can give them faults for. So. Yeah, um, yeah. so I like this scene. It's a good way to end it, and it's a clear and utter buy for me for this episode.
1: Oh, yeah, de- definitely a buy here. Yeah, definitely and, buying this episode.
0: And I will say, because I kind of went into this season saying, like, I don't know if there will be any episodes here that will make the top 10, and I kind of I sat down for about five minutes staring at my list, going, oh, can I fit this in the top 10? Can I fit in the top 15? Can I fit in the top 20? I have ended up putting this at 21 um so I just, well I the the episode that I was tossing this up between to see if I could put it above was Welcome to Camelot and Just Another Night at the Opera. And I'm kind of thinking to myself in the grand scheme of things, can I realistically put this above those? And I just couldn't because I feel a lot of the time what I've done with a lot of my rankings is a lot of season 1 episodes get really pushed down a lot. And I feel that I need to respect season one a lot more than I actually do because it was the first season and kind of, yeah, season two takes the first season and expands on it. Yeah, season three was a lot better than I ever gave it credit for and season four has its bipolar moments. But I just think that on the grand scheme of things, I, I ultimately cannot have a season six episode in the top 20. And I think that realistically as well, I think that Welcome to Camelot and Just Another Night of the Opera are more iconic episodes to me than Forever Blue, as good as an episode as it is, if you know what I mean. So yeah, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, looking at my top 20 right now, and I really do not think this will change now. I've said that before, but I really cannot picture another episode making the top 20. Uh, It's going to have three season one episodes in it, which I feel maybe is a bit unfair. I don't know. Um, I have four season four episodes in it. One, two, three, four season three episodes two season five episodes and one two three four five six seven season two episodes so um that's my top 20 right now anyway uh yep. but yeah forever blue i've got it at 21 right now and i would say it's going to be the highest season yep. six episode so yeah well at, le- hey, at least it makes the top 25 oh that's so. a very good point that is a very good point there you go uh so that leads us on to next week now You sort of made the argument to me that kind of the next two episodes are a two-parter. And again, yes, sort of. But again, I still think this is a season that has no two-parters with the exception of the medical investigation crossover. So we have the L word next week. It's the episode title, not the uh, famous TV show about lesbians. Um, which hey, we can recap that one day. If there you was see a, its boobs. There was a um, t-
1: there was a TV show about lesbians called the L Word. There was yes, it was quite good.
0: Well, uh, oh, it was okay. I saw bits and pieces. I remember. The sh- I don't know if you ever remember a show called Queer as Folk. It was kind of like the the lesbian no. version of Queer as Folk. So no, yeah. Anyway, so it's called the L Word. Um, there's implications around CT Finney. Um, there's implications around Davis and stuff, and there's the whole hey, let's bring terrorism into Third Watch storyline that happens. So Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't I don't know how to I don't know how to feel about that, although the initial start to that episode it does bring I think it does bring back classic elements of Third Watch. Um you know, with the paramedics and firefighters actually having something to do, something dramatic to do Mm -hmm. um but i'm gonna say that you know before they before they went it before they went for that they should have had the next episode be all about uh, basically be all about uh, basically a continuation of this you know just focus on that for the whole episode next week you know focus on focus on you know ct ct finney you know him finally realizing i'm fucked Mm -hmm. you know focus on focus on danny and scott and tommy boy and sully and sharon and davis and brendan and how they're all coming to grips with everything with with the with as 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 uh sharon or I don't know if it was Sharon or the or the eight or the D or the DA, I forgot her name. Um, I don't know if it was Sharon or the main district attorney who who phrased it like this: the gravity of CT's situation.
0: Because if I'm not mistaken, have that episode be all about that? Because if I'm not mistaken, we don't do we ever find out what happens to the other guys? And like Sally kind of gets no. away with it after being told that he might go to prison and lose his job.
1: So no, we, we don't we don't find out we don't find out anything about any of them yeah after after this and uh, this was a big thing we should have the the next episode should have been all about that i think
0: to that next week and i think we really start to this is kind of the second half of the season. well literally is the second half of the season is yes. episode 12 but like i sort of mentioned how this season is part two halves and I, uh, two halves and i think kind of Again, this would be something we need to get confirmed by the writers or the creators of this show, but to me, this is where they knew that they were on their last legs and that they maybe were officially cancelled and, hey, let's set up a second half because Cruz all of a sudden becomes very prominent again. Uh, Manny becomes a character, which I have nothing against Manny. Uh, we had him on the show, so, uh, you know, yep. Um, but then we just kind of get some interesting storylines about things and, uh, like, there's just some stuff in the second half which, like, I kind of say to you off air, like from this point on, there's just very meh. They're just kind of like, there's just nothing that to me stands out in itself. Like we're going to have a vampire episode. We get a terrible episode with Brendan and a kid with maybe one of the worst actors in this whole show that gives me the shits. Um, Bosco, like it's just, there's just, it's all over the shop and they're trying to tie some loose ends. But I think next week sums up a lot of season six. Cause yeah, there's definitely some classic third watch elements still, but then you have also got some very season six met elements. Like, Hey, let's have a giant explosion for whatever reason. And Hey, let's have a terrorism storyline. And you know, like why not? Yeah. So anyway, but that's next week. Uh, we're in the, the home stretch now of this season and the show. So, um, um don't remind me. Yeah. It's going to be I'm an interesting sad. Ride. That,
1: I'm sad that we're so
0: close. Well, the one thing too, that I will say to at least at the time of airing this episode, that when you, the good listener are listening to this, we are actually only a few weeks away from the 20th anniversary as well of when this show premiered. So, Uh, We are obviously planning to do something to commemorate that, so you might kind of get some episodes around this as well. But um, at least we're recording this very much into the future. Uh, But at least at the time of airing this. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting that we're up to these episodes right now when we're about to celebrate 20 years of this show premiering. So, anyway. But, uh, yeah, yeah, The L Word next week. In the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe, all the relevant channels, and uh, we definitely appreciate your support wherever you are listening to us uh, for our show. My name is Ben, and I want to go home.
1: (laughs) All right, everybody. My name is Darvell, and... Should be ashamed of yourselves. See you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at the OZNetwork.net.